Hey friends, welcome back to The Catwalk. My name is Clark Cowden. I'm your host for this podcast. And I want to thank you for joining with me for this week's message. Today is the Christmas Eve message for 2022. And today we're simply telling the story of a young couple going through some ups and downs in their marriage together at Christmas time and how it leads them to a deeper understanding of what the Christmas story is all about. I invite you to sit back and relax and reflect on this message, Joey to the world. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14 says this. And there were shepherds living out in their fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. The excitement that Joe and Meredith Owens had felt just a few months ago seemed to have disappeared. Now the mood was bleak. They had been so thrilled when they got the call from the fire chief in Beaver Lake. They were so pleased that Joe was the successful candidate for the vacancy in their department. They accepted the position that very day. Never mind that they would have to move away from Meredith's parents. Her brother and sister had done that, and they had kept in touch. Now, with the baby on the way, their first, it would be an adventure to start a new home and a new life in a new place. Enthusiastically, they had investigated their new community. Eventually, they found a little home that they could afford with a loan from their parents. It needed lots of work, but they could do that. Together, they undertook a dozen tasks to make it the way they wanted. First, there was patching, painting, and wallpapering. Then there were curtains and drapes. Then there were shelves and pictures. They bought a few trees and some shrubs. Little by little, the house became their home. They also took shopping trips to buy things for the nursery. Decorating it filled them with anticipation. They joined a church and started to get to know some people there. In August, Meredith's parents came for a weekend to see them and their new home. After her parents returned home, Meredith started to realize how much she was missing them. She missed the occasional Sunday dinner or evening with them. She missed going shopping with her mom. 
These little things now felt like big things, and she felt like she would never get them back. They missed their old friends back home. They were people they could drop in on without a notice or a call. They hadn't found any friends like that in Beaver Lake. Meredith's biggest complaint was Joe's work schedule. When he went into the fire department, he had to stay for two 24-hour days, and then he was off for one 24-hour day. After several rotations of that, there was some extra time off. The schedule irritated her. When he was gone, she was lonely in a strange city without friends. When he was home, she felt smothered without privacy. It hadn't been so bad early on when they had so many projects to work on around the house. But now Meredith felt cooped up and cramped. She was starting to feel fat and awkward. She tired easily and became upset with herself for not accomplishing more. She was starting to hate life in this town. Joe was having problems of his own. He had really wanted to be a firefighter. It had been his dream. He had gone through special training, then tests and interviews in several places. It had taken years to finally get accepted. But now he wasn't so sure. He liked the work and some of his fellow firefighters, but he wasn't sure they liked him. He was well aware that every new hire was on a six-month probationary period. He wasn't so confident they would keep him on after his first six months was up. He kept hearing about people who had dropped out because their families couldn't take the schedule. He wondered if he would be a dropout. He thought his work was okay, but he wasn't sure since no one ever told him how he was doing. The end of November and the beginning of December was really cold. The mood inside Joe and Meredith's home matched the temperatures outside. They were tense. In better times, Joe had called Meredith, Mary, Mary, and she would call him, my pal Joey. They hadn't called each other those names in quite a while. They used to have pretend arguments that others didn't understand. It had been a playful thing, but not anymore. One would snap back or be hurt. When he had a spare moment at work, Joe found himself brooding and worrying about his problems with Meredith. He felt out of step with her. Sometimes when they used to dance, he would lose the rhythm and they would have to stop and start over. It seemed like they had both lost their rhythm of living and loving each other. As if things weren't bad enough, they received two blows on the same day. One was a letter from Meredith's parents saying that they would be visiting after the baby came so 
they would be going to her sister's house for Christmas. The other blow was Joe's work schedule. He was required to work on both Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Joe and Meredith had each been hoping for a miracle at Christmas. They were both Christians, but they both needed help. They were clutching at the idea that the possibility of sharing Christmas together would help them get themselves together, rekindle their love, and help them realize what really mattered. But now each of them would be spending Christmas alone for the first time in their lives. The dreaded morning of December 24th arrived. Joe had to leave for work. He said, we don't have to be in the same place to be with each other. Meredith said, you're right. They both lied. She said, this won't be that bad. Christmas is whenever we can be together. The 26th will be fine. He said, that's true. They both lied again. He said, will you be okay? She said, yes. Will you? He said, yes. With the third lie and an awkward hug and a half-hearted kiss, he was gone. Meredith's Christmas Eve didn't go as badly as she had feared. She cleaned house, baked a little, took a nap. Though it was cold and slippery, she risked driving to the Christmas Eve service. It was okay, but she hated going alone. It seemed like everyone else there was with their families. As soon as it was over, she quickly slipped away and drove home. When she entered the house, it was quiet and lonely. She put on some Christmas music, but their sentimental sounds only made her feel worse. She turned them off. She flipped through the TV channels trying to find something to watch, but she couldn't find anything that looked good. Everything she saw looked like a show you wanted to watch with the person you loved. She didn't feel like addressing more Christmas cards. She didn't feel like making more Christmas cookies. Nothing felt right this Christmas Eve. But then she got a sharp pain in her abdomen that lasted almost a minute. She was scared and called the fire station to ask for Joe. She was told he was out on a call. There was a big fire out at the mobile home park. With the shifting winds, they were likely going to be there for a while. They didn't think they could reach him, but they could try if this was an emergency. Was it an emergency? Meredith said, no, I don't think so. Not yet. She hung up. She sat there waiting. The pains returned from time to time, sometimes milder, sometimes stronger. About midnight, the pains became more regular and more persistent. 
She called the fire station again. Joe was still unreachable. But the dispatcher promised to find help. Soon her doorbell rang. Liddell Biggs, a friendly, competent mother of four, and a wife of a veteran firefighter was at her door. Our husbands are working their jobs tonight, she said. So let's do ours. And so they did. They talked, drank tea, timed her labor pains, and alerted her doctor and the hospital. A few hours later, Liddell assured her it was time. She drove a warmed car to her front door and took Meredith to the hospital. Liddell stayed with her there too. She told her she was doing fine and the birth was not far off. She was close at hand when the first cries of her baby girl were heard. After a few words of congratulations and praise, Liddell was on her way. By now, Meredith was ready to lean back and rest. But then she heard a familiar, excited voice in the hallway. With a sterile gown hastily thrown on, he burst through the door. What's the big idea of going ahead without me? It was Joe. Surprised to see him, Meredith asked, Hey, are you okay? Yes, he said. I was able to do my part tonight. We rescued a family with two small children. They'll be okay, though they breathed in a lot of smoke. She could smell the smoke off his clothes as he came near. The captain let me ride in the ambulance here to see you for a few moments. Where's my... At that moment, a nurse appeared carrying their daughter. Joe's eyes filled with wonder as he reached out to hold their firstborn child. Then he gingerly sat on the bed next to Meredith so they could hold her together. Joe tried to say something, but he couldn't get the words out. He looked at his wife and he said, Oh, Mary, Mary. Meredith looked at him and said, Do you know what I want to name her? I want to name her after her brave daddy, who was rescuing other children the very moment she was born. I want to name her Joey. Joe said, Joy, that's a nice Christmas name. Meredith said, no, not Joy, Joey. The three of them cuddled together for a few minutes. Their rhythm was back. It was the miracle of Christmas. Meredith said, you know, Joe, before the tale of the birth of Jesus on Christmas Day <clears throat> used to be just a story to me. But now I've experienced it. The loneliness, the pain, the fear, and the kindness of others. Now I think I understand a little bit more about how much God risked to give us his child in ours. God was in that birth and in ours too.
Joe nodded in agreement and reluctantly rose to his feet. I'm sorry. I think I have to go. The ambulance crew is waiting. We don't have to be in the same place to be with each other. She said, any time we're together is Christmas. The 26th will be just fine. He asked, are you okay? She said, yes, I am. Are you? And he said, yes, too. This time they weren't lying. And with an unawkward hug and a wholehearted kiss, Joe was on his way. Meredith thought back to the words she had heard earlier that night at the Christmas Eve service. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. The angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news, that this will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, the Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Meredith carried baby Joey to the window and looked out. From her third-story view, she saw an incredibly beautiful world of white snow on a clear blue night, Christmas lights twinkling, and the first hints of dawn in the east. She watched the lights and the exhaust of the ambulance as it drove off. She was now ready to trust her baby to the nurse's care and have a good, deep sleep. But before she did, she said a prayer. Joey to the world, the Lord has come. Amen. God bless. Stay safe. See you soon.